Hey there, teachers. Since you're a regular podcast listener, and I know you're committed to improving your literacy instruction, I want to make sure you know about our free private podcast, the Confident Writer System Series. This private podcast was the result of so many teachers asking me questions about how to teach writing. I'd get questions like, my schedule is already so crammed. How do you find enough time to teach writing? Or my students struggle to write complete sentences and paragraphs, yet I'm expected to get them to write a five-paragraph essay by the end of the year. Help! (laughs) So I decided to put together a five-episode private podcast series that will teach you how to teach writing in upper elementary. In this short series, you'll learn the five mistakes to avoid when teaching writing in upper elementary, simple routines that will take your students from confused to confident, and manageable ways to teach writing every day without feeling rushed. You're going to get access to a podcast workbook that is filled with freebies and writing resources. So if that sounds like something that you want, then head to stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash writing podcast and sign up for this free private podcast. These episodes are only available inside the private podcast. And trust me, you're not going to want to miss them. You're listening to episode number 29 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough. But with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hey friends, welcome back. We are in week three of our Stellar Teacher Summer Series. And in case you have no idea what that is, just check out the show notes. We've got a calendar that is filled with double podcast episodes, Facebook Lives, First Look Fridays, and all sorts of other fun things happening this summer with the hope of helping you feel excited, encouraged, and empowered to teach reading next school year. Today, I'm super excited about our episode. Really though, y'all, I get excited pretty much about every episode because I really do love talking about all things literacy with y'all, but today's episode was a really fun one for me to put together. First of all, we're going to be talking all about reading centers and just thinking about this topic really reminded me of how far I have come as a teacher because when I first started teaching, I was on the hot mess express when it came to reading centers. I don't know if y'all have like one area of your teaching career that you can really look back and like literally, I don't know if you cringe when you think about your first year, but for me, that would be reading centers. I did them and I was horrible with them and I learned a lot (laughs) and I figured out a lot of things, but it's just one of those things that when I think about reading centers, I remember how hard they were for me my first couple of years and really how far I've come, which it's always fun for us to celebrate our growth. Even though I'm not in the classroom anymore, I still can like celebrate that area of growth. So make sure you do that as well. I also get actually a lot of reading center related questions from teachers, especially over the summer as teachers are thinking about whether or not they want to use reading centers and what reading centers they could use. And a lot of questions I get are, first of all, should I even be using reading centers with the workshop model? I also get from teachers the question that my school says I have to use reading centers. So what do you suggest are the best reading centers in upper elementary? 
And then I also have teachers asking me that if I am using the workshop model, when do I even find time to do reading centers? Because they don't really seem to fit anywhere inside the traditional workshop model and really so many more. And maybe you've had some of those questions and maybe you have other questions about reading centers. And today I am going to share a little bit about kind of my own experience with centers and give suggestions for how you can make centers really work for you and your students. But first and foremost, let me just remind you, there is not just one right way to teach reading. If you love putting together reading centers and you want to incorporate them as part of your reading block, then go for it. More power to you. I guarantee that if you are excited about them, you're going to make them work for you and your students. But here's the thing. If you're like, oh, I don't like the idea of reading centers. It seems like one more thing I have to do. I don't like doing them. It's hard for my kids. It's too much to manage. Then let me give you permission not to do them. You do not have to do reading centers. I think so often as teachers, we feel this need to do what everyone else is doing, or we have this idea that there is a certain expectation of the right way to teach something, and we don't want to, you know, sort of sort of step out of the bounds or do something that other teachers aren't doing. We just kind of want to fit into this little teacher bubble. But we really need to pause and think about what we're doing in our classroom. And first and foremost, is it helpful and is it effective? But secondly, you really should be considering that is what you're doing bringing yourself and your students joy. And so first and foremost, decide that if reading centers are bringing you joy, and if so, carry on and make sure you listen to this whole episode. And if reading centers are not one of the things that is bringing you joy, then give yourself permission not to do them next year, which means you can probably stop listening to this episode and just come back next week. But also this episode might turn you into a convert because I am going to share a really easy and effective way that you can make centers work, even if you are a huge fan of the workshop model. But first, let me share just a little bit about my own experience with reading centers. If y'all have listened to the podcast for a while, then you've maybe heard some of this before. But when I first started teaching, I did reading centers pretty religiously for the first couple of years because I was told that is what you do during your reading block. You have your whole group lesson and then you do reading centers. And the reason why we had to do reading centers was so I would have time to pull small groups. I don't know if it was my school or the curriculum or whatever, but they were kind of pitched to me as this idea of it doesn't matter what your students are doing. The important thing is, is that you have time to pull small groups. So they kind of became this idea of like busy work. Now, of course, it's busy work that's focused on reading, but they kind of became busy work. But I did them and I tried to make them really good and meaningful for my students. And we had the rotation board with the pocket charts where every student had their name and the header cards. You know, we had the game center. We had all the different activities. I had hands-on stuff and we had computers. So we had digital centers. And I also started teaching back in the day when file folder games were a thing. Please let me know if you were around or if you were a student when file folder games were a thing, because I feel like those were very popular for center activities. And so I did all of those things and I I supplemented a lot my curriculum, the boxed curriculum that we had, the basil, I cannot remember the name of it. Maybe it's collections. I feel like that was like a name that rings a bell with me, but we had center activities with them and I supplemented some and I remember going to Kinko's on Sundays and copying and cutting and sorting and putting things in envelopes and bags and making sure that there was enough for all of the groups. And I remember thinking about how to differentiate. So that way all of my students said something. And I thought about what would I do for my high readers and what was I going to do for my low non-readers? And here's the thing. I hated them. I 
despised them because it felt so heavy for me. It felt so extra. I spent all weekend working on stuff. And ultimately, no matter how prepared I was, no matter how hard I tried to be on top of it, I would forget something. I would leave a center at home or I would forget about a group or I wouldn't get to them. And then it would throw off my whole rotation. Also, when I really sat down and thought about it, I didn't really feel like my students were growing as readers, but I did them. So, but y'all have also heard me talk about my journey to discovering the workshop model. And once I realized that my students could read independently during this 40 minute window, and that's the time that I could pull small groups and I didn't have to do centers, I had no problem ditching my pocket rotation chart and scrapping all of my centers. I loved letting my students read independently. Y'all know that I am a huge fan of independent reading and my students loved it and it worked. It worked for my style of teaching and it worked for my students. But here's the thing. I also realized through my many years of teaching that there are actually some benefits to having students do more than just independently read. I know that's not really a shock to any of y'all. But here's the thing, like word work, even in upper elementary, it's important for students to get practice exploring and playing with words. Buddy reading, that's another thing that I love incorporating into upper elementary classrooms. Kids love reading with friends and they love reading to each other. Listening to reading, that is another, kids love being read to, whether it is listening to a story being played to them on YouTube or Audible or their teacher. Kids love being listened to reading. So all of those things are valuable and they can be beneficial whether it is incorporated into your reading centers, if you try to modify your workshop model and make that part of your independent reading time, or if you find other ways to bring those things in there. So while I am a huge believer of spending the majority of your workshop time having students engage in independent reading, there is a place for centers in upper elementary classrooms. You just need to make sure that you're doing them correctly. Throughout my many years of doing centers myself, and then also spending years working as a literacy specialist and helping teachers come up with centers and observing and supporting, I have kind of realized that there are sort of three main problems or challenges that sort of exist with the traditional reading center model. And I'm going to share with you what those problems or challenges are, and then also give you an easy solution that you can implement. So that way you can make sure that the reading centers you are using, if you choose that route, are going to work with you and your students and they also fit well into the workshop model. Hey teachers, I'm gonna go ahead and take a wild guess and say many of you are already planning for the upcoming school year. You may be scrolling through Pinterest looking for fresh and fun reading lesson ideas or maybe you're spending more of your own money on fluffy resources that won't actually pay off. Hashtag teacher life, right? Well, I've been there, and that's why I have a better idea for you. Enter the Stellar Teacher Reading Membership. My membership is a resource library that will totally transform the way you teach reading. With an extensive resource library, planned lessons, coaching support, and an incredible community, you'll never waste time searching for ways to enrich your reading block again. Doors are open July 12th and will only be open for one week. Head to StellarTeacher.com slash waitlist for more details. I'll see you on the inside. And hey, until then, get out there and enjoy your summer. Okay, so the first problem that usually I see with reading centers is that the structure of typical literacy centers isn't conducive to all types of learning. And here's the thing. Oftentimes, literacy centers involve a rotation. Students are going to be placed into groups. Groups are going to rotate through centers, maybe 
Every day they do two centers of 20 minutes or they do three centers of 15 minutes and they rotate every 15 minutes to a new center. And throughout the week, they make it through eight different workstations. Maybe you have a timer set and it's displayed up on the whiteboard so students can see how much time they have to complete each center. And maybe you have a pocket chart or a digital rotation board so students can see where they are and where they have to go next. Here's the problem with the structure of centers. When we have timed rotations for each individual task or center, we are basically telling our students and ourselves as teachers that we expect all of them to learn and execute tasks, regardless of the task, in the same way and in the same time. And here's the thing that I want you to think about if you are doing centers. Have you ever noticed that some students breeze through your center activities quicker than others? And then what do you have them do? Do they sit? Do they wait? Do they redo something that they've already done? Do they have to find another task to do to get started on? But maybe once they get started, they're not going to have enough time to finish it because it's the second thing they're doing. And then we also have students who need more than 20 minutes to properly complete an assigned center task. And maybe you've noticed that you have some students who will never complete a center activity or assignment. And think for a minute, just how do you think that they feel if they never actually get to complete a task, a game, an activity, whatever it is, they're always being told, okay, time to clean up, let's move on, next rotation. And then we also have to think about all of the different types of centers that we have. If we have students at a word work center, they might not actually need 20 minutes to sort and categorize words. And while sometimes repeating tasks can be helpful, repeating the same task over and over and over again might not be the best use of their time. And then if you have something like a research center, students might actually need more than 20 minutes to get through all of their research. And by cutting them short, we're going to be interrupting what they're reading and their note taking and that whole research project or process. Having 15 to 20 minute center rotations really works great for us as teachers because that gives us time to pull small groups and everything is going to fit nice and orderly into our center schedule. But requiring all of our students to spend the exact same amount of time on a variety of activities that aren't the same, it doesn't really make sense. Plus, for our students who do need a little extra time to think and process and complete assignments, the added pressure of the 15 to 20 minute rotation can be stressful. So here is my solution If you're going to use centers, give students choice, not only in their content for center activities, but also in the pacing. You can still have centers in your classroom and not have a structured rotation, kind of like the one I just described. I would encourage you to give students a lot more freedom and a lot more flexibility, not only in what they choose to do for centers, but also in how long they choose to spend in each different center activity. And I know that I say this a lot on my different episodes, but just to remind you that when we give students choice in what and how they read or how they respond to reading, we are going to instantly see an increase in their engagement. And anytime that we see an increase in engagement, it is going to lead to an increase in comprehension, which is going to help them grow into readers. So if you're thinking, okay, great, I'm all about giving my students choice, but what does that look like if I want to do centers? A couple of things that you could do is you could provide a couple different structures. And one that you could do is like a choose two. Every day, students have to choose two different centers 
or reading tasks to complete. And so you have them open-ended. Maybe it's independent reading. Maybe it's a research center. Maybe it's a word work. Whatever it is, responder reading, buddy reading, however you have it set up, everyday students get to choose two. You're not telling them what two it is, and you're not telling them how long to do it. They get to make those choices. So that way, they're going to be able to choose two that they know they can get done, and they're going to be two that they're excited about and engaged in. Another option you could give students is a by Friday expectation. And really all this is, is you are telling them that by the end of the week, you have to have completed everything on your reading task list. So maybe you have a certain set of reading centers and you want students to go through each of the reading centers, then just let them know that they have to get them done by the end of the week. Maybe they can get two or three done in one day, but maybe one of the assignments takes them a little longer. And so they're going to spend an entire day working on it. But they know that by the end of the week, they have to have everything on their reading task list or their reading center list completed. You could also give students a must-do and a may-do, and every day they have to do one of the must-do activities, and then they have a list of the may-do. Again, they get to choose which ones they want to do on which day. You're giving them choice and then not telling them how long they have to spend on it so they can spend more time on the must-dos, especially if it's something that's graded or important. And then the may-dos, they can pick whichever ones they have with the amount of time that is left. You could also give them just a very simple reading center choice board. And again, it could have a wide variety of tasks on it. It could be as simple as read for 20 minutes, do three reading task cards, buddy read for 15 minutes, do a research project, you know, whatever it is. But they get to choose what the tasks are, when to complete them, and how long to spend on them. To me, when we incorporate more freedom and flexibility and choice, We are really just continuing to validate our students' reading preferences and reminding them that we trust them to make decisions and choices that are going to help them grow as readers, which is really what we want. I think also when we use this method for sort of the structure and the routine, it's giving our students a chance to develop some really important self-management skills. The next problem that we see a lot with centers is that students don't always know how to properly complete center activities. And I definitely struggled with this during my first few years of teaching. See, here's the thing. We spent a lot of time introducing each center. I would go through the rotation, show them where everything was, talk about the materials, show them what to do. We practiced using quiet voices. We showed them how to keep the materials in this space. We spent a ton of time transitioning and cleaning up I mean, my kids could clean up and transition to another center in under a minute. And I remember my first couple of years, I used the Curious George, Jack Johnson soundtrack for our reading center rotations. And we would rarely even make it through one entire song for all of the transitions. And I remember feeling so proud of how efficient our transitions were. But we barely spent any time talking about the actual center work itself. Now, don't get me wrong, I would introduce it, I would model it, I would have a few kids model how to do it and how not to do it, but not every single kid got to practice that center before we started. And more importantly, not only did they not get to practice that center, but I didn't even spend any time having a conversation about why that center was important and how it was going to help grow them as readers which is critical. If we want our students to be engaged in what they're doing, they need to understand why this is important and how they're going to benefit from it. My solution to this challenge is make sure you teach, model, and practice all aspects of centers before you have students complete them independently. So in addition to the transitions and the cleanup and the materials, we actually need to teach our students how to complete the tasks in the centers. 
If there is a graphic organizer, then make sure that you do a mini lesson on how to complete a graphic organizer. If there is a reading choice board, then make sure you do a mini lesson on how to read the choice board, how to make selections, how to manage their time. If you do buddy reading, do a mini lesson on how to buddy read, the benefits of it, how they should do it, where they should find their books, who reads first. If you have a reading response journal, show your students how to set up the journal. Make sure they know when they should be responding, how long their responses should be how they should be using text evidence, what to do when they're done with the journal. If you're doing word work sorts, make sure students know what they're sorting, what they're looking for, what the patterns are, what to do when they're done, how they can extend the activity. Whatever it is, you need to make sure that all aspects of the center, not just the transitions, not just the materials, but the actual content gets modeled and practiced. And just think, it's very similar to when we launch Reading Workshop. We take the three weeks to really just focus on the routines and the habits and the behaviors of independent reading, of turning and talking, of what a mini lesson is and how it's going to benefit them, of how to check out books from the library, of building our stamina, all of those things. And the same is true if you plan on doing centers. If you want to do centers or workstations, then you need to make sure that you have taught your students how to complete and execute each reading center task. And then make sure that students have a chance to practice with your support before they start doing independently. I always love whether it is introducing the center's whole group and then practicing them small group and even practicing them independently at their desks before they become part of sort of the independent expectation, rotation, choice board, must do, may do, by Friday, whatever sort of setup you have. Just make sure your students know how to do everything. There is no rush in getting something like centers set up in your classroom. The third problem or challenge is the content, the what our students are doing during centers. And here's the thing, you guys. I feel like a lot of the centers that we see in elementary classrooms, they end up being fluffy, for lack of a better word. And I think part of the problem why is that our centers end up being fluffy is because we want to make them hands-on. We want to make them engaging. We want to make them fun for our students. We also want to make sure that they last a long time so that way our students don't finish them too quickly so we can continue with our small group. Again, part of the problem with the structure. And a lot of what I see in centers or workstations, they end up being a lot of students with cutting and pasting and gluing in journals and doing different craft projects. And a lot of times there's going to be sorting or matching or puzzles. And a lot of times there's game-based activities where students are going to be playing a reading game, whether there are dice or chips or some sort of, you know, game board involved that focuses on a specific skill. And hear me out. These things in themselves, they are not bad. It is not a bad thing to have students do a craft, especially if it is connected to a holiday or a special read aloud. And sorts can actually be a really great way to introduce a topic or a skill. They can be super helpful as independent practice or as a activity during a small group uh, lesson. They can really help build background knowledge for text structure or character traits. Games can be a lot of fun for students to play. But here's the thing. If you exclusively use these sort of activities, you know, make it really activity-based for your reading centers, during your, you know, your reading center time, we aren't giving students time to practice actual reading. And they're going to be missing out on the opportunity to apply the skills and strategies that you are teaching them whole group. And then another problem with kind of having the activity-based centers is that as the activity changes, your students' understanding of how to execute it will change. Like games, for example. 
If you have a reading center game, even though you have a game center and students know that they're going to be playing a game, if there are different directions for every game, it can take students long enough to even read the directions, figure out how to play the game, that they might not even have time to actually engage in the practice because it took them so long to even just figure out the directions and how to set up the game. My solution is that rather than thinking about centers from an activity perspective, think about them from more of the routines that you want to teach your students. So create routines that are focused on reading, writing, and talking tasks. Thinking about them more of like the routine. So a lot of times I see teachers will have like the computer center or the reading game center or poetry center or a fluency center. And again, these things aren't necessarily bad, but we can really improve them if we instead think about the routines that we want our students to engage in during the centers. And the benefit of thinking about centers more from a routine or process perspective is that once the students have mastered the routine, then they can rinse and repeat all year long without having to learn a new activity. For example, one of the centers that I encourage teachers to use is a vocabulary center. And you can teach a very simple vocabulary routine that can apply to a variety of skills and students can do the same routine all year long. For example, you can give students a paragraph or they can even look in their independent reading book at a paragraph that has a new or an unknown word in it. They're going to read the paragraph. They're going to identify the unknown word. They're going to make a prediction about the word. They're going to look the word up in the dictionary. They're going to make a list of synonyms and antonyms. They're going to draw a picture. They're going to use it in a sentence. And that is the routine. And it does not matter if they are using it for context clues, for Greek and Latin root words, for words with prefixes or suffixes, for homophones. It could even work for figurative language. The routine is the same. So even if the word changes, the type of word changes, even if where they're getting the word from changes, the routine is the same. So you could use that routine as your vocabulary center And then all year long, you don't have to worry about your students ever not knowing what to do, not having the materials. It is pretty consistent and easy for them to execute. The other benefit of having a really solid routine that your students do over and over again is that students become really confident and comfortable in their ability to execute the routine that even if they don't get a chance to finish, if they have to pause mid-work and they did not complete it, this routine becomes so second nature to them that it's going to be easy for them to pick up where they left off if they have to come back to it again another day. The words change, maybe even where they find the word from, but the routine is the same. So as you're getting ready to think about your centers for this next year, try not to think about categories of centers, but more so think about the types of routines that you'd want to teach your students. And again, thinking about routines that could be easily executed, you know, and students could become confident with them. They know the steps to them. So that way, regardless of the skill, regardless of the materials, it is something that they can do independently and feel confident in and also have it be something that's going to help them grow as readers. I'm not going to go ahead and repeat the problems, but let me remind you of the solutions to making centers work in your classroom. Number one, give your students choice, not only in the content, but in the pacing of your centers. Solution number two, make sure you teach, model, and practice all aspects of centers, not just the transitions, before having students complete them independently. And then solution number three, make sure you create routines that are focused on reading, writing, and talking tasks. And if you are actually looking for more ideas on what makes really good options for reading centers in upper elementary, then make sure you tune in this Thursday for my Quick Tip Thursday episode 
where I'm going to be sharing nine of my favorite literacy centers for upper elementary. And so I will talk with you guys then. And until then, have a wonderful start to your week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.